Did you know that every two years, more than 10,000 people converge in a global city just to talk about cities? The World Urban Forum, put on by UN Habitat, draws together mayors, urban planners, architects, academics, humanitarian development experts, and activists for high-level talks, seminars, workshops, exhibitions, and networking events. And since it moves to different cities each time, you might say it is like the Olympics for urban studies geeks, for which I am one. I'm Michael Crane, and this is Mission City, a podcast about the urban revolution and how the church can serve the city. I'm a researcher and writer on the intersection of cities and the Christian faith. On this episode, we have Mike and Jennifer Brungart on as guests. Mike and Jennifer have lived in Latin America, serving with an organization called International Mission Board for 19 years. Since 2007, they have been involved in city work in Central America and moved to Bogota, Colombia in 2016. Today, they serve as leaders for the Global Cities teams serving across Latin America. Hey, Mike and Jennifer, thanks so much for being on this show today. How are you guys doing? Doing very well, Michael. Thanks for having us this evening. So tell us just a little bit about yourselves. Mike and I met at the University of Arkansas. We are Razorbacks, and we met and married and worked in the secular world for several years before we were called. And so after that, the Lord took us on a long journey to seminary and then to Mexico. And there we served several years, uh, first three years in more of a rural setting and then transitioned to cities. And so we've been looking at cities for the last 15 years. And so it's been a great journey of looking at God working in cities and overcoming those obstacles that, that we face in urban areas in different cities across Latin America. We have four kiddos who have grown up on the mission field and they are all in California today. Okay. So you have been in Latin America, you said serving. What are the kinds of things that you guys are about doing? Well, currently we're living in Bogota, Colombia, or we've been for the last six years looking at this city and then working with our teams in other global cities across the continent of South America, including Mexico. And so looking at how do we look at the city comprehensively, how do we break that down into those least reached segments of the city that are still yet to be reached for the gospel. And so we've been asking our teams to, to think outside the box, to think innovatively, to look at ways that help the church be relevant where we are today. And so it's been a paradigm change for, for our own folks, our own personnel, uh, but also working with our national partners, local leaders, helping them look at cities a little bit differently, looking at other ways in which to engage the city through non-traditional means with the same gospel message that cannot change. So can you give me just a little bit of insight into kind of what that shift looks like? What was the kind of the traditional assumption about urban ministry? And then what's been one thing that maybe has shifted or been a bit of a paradigm adjustment? I think in a sense, and even the way that 
our churches look and feel. It's, it's a very long service. It's a very almost um, kind of a stiff or sterile um, service many times in which in today's today's world just isn't relevant to the younger generations. They looked at the religious system and the organization and in terms of it being something that's relevant in their life today, they, they tend to push back against that. So they want something that's real. They want something where they can just not sit and listen to a sermon, but actually be engaged in studying God's word and asking questions and having dialogue and having community. We had a God story just recently. Um, we had a U.S. team in the summer and we were just prayer walking through the universities in downtown Bogota with this team. And a man came out of a hostel and got our attention, spoke some English when he invited us in to give us a tour of this hostel that was hundreds of years old. And so we went in and we began to talk with Martin was his name and found out he was actually from Argentina. And through the dialogue, asking questions, we finally got to, you know, talking about things of faith. And um, when I asked Martin about his faith, he was like, I just went to church last night. And I was like, well, that's great, Martin. And um, we began to connect well. And he, at that point, offered up the hostel space to open up to a university study. And so we were super excited about that. We had tried something else last spring, and we found out that that wasn't the best place for students. And so we're just trying different things and trying to wait upon the Lord and praying. And when He opens a door, we're trying to be faithful to walk through it. We've also used some leadership conferences on college campuses to talk about, you know, what does it look like to be a relevant leader with integrity and and biblical principles, but actually getting access to university campuses where they give us the space to use and where we can share those biblical principles. And really, we're we're drawing a crowd of students who who wouldn't come to a, a religious Bible study or event, but because we've had some some leaders that are reputable in the field of leadership, they've come to listen to these men and women and we continue to, to look for creative ways to gain access to university students through those avenues that interest them. Yeah, that's great. So let's take a step back. You guys live in Bogota. Um, you've lived in Mexico prior to that. You've traveled around Latin America. So tell us a little bit about Bogota and particularly tell us about the Bogota that you don't see in, you know, movies about drug cartels and (laughs) tell us about Latin American urbanism kind of more broadly as well. Bogota is a great city. It's about 11 million people, dynamic city, very influential city in Colombia in the northern part of South America. It is marked by the violence in the 80s and 90s uh, that results from uh, those drug wars and, and things that happened. And because of that, people tend to be very guarded and very cautious. They don't uh, let you into their lives. They keep you at an arm's length and distance. So for years, people would basically walk out their door, keep their head down, walk to work, get to work, go inside, lock the door, and then return home the same way. And so for them to be able to even stop and converse on the street or to have you in their home uh, is, is a stretch. And so that's one of our challenges is how do we even gain access to people? And so for that reason, uh, really the spread of the gospel has been slower here, and we see less evangelical work than we do in many other cities across Latin America. Another thing about Bogota that's unusual compared to our other Latin cities is there's really not a lot of good public transportation. We only have buses. Transportation here in the city is is very difficult for our people, and a lot of time is spent sitting in traffic. Yeah. So does that mean a lot of people drive private vehicles? A lot of people do drive 
They do, but you can only drive every other day here. Our car, uh, we can only drive on even days of the month. And so other cars who have the other ending on their plate, depending if you end in an even or an odd, they drive on the other days. So our driving is very limited. So we take a lot of public transportation, but because we don't have any type of metro system, um, it's a lot slower with just buses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of motorcycles and bicycles. When I lived in Manila in, in many years ago, they tried the odd and even license plate thing. And a lot of people that could just bought two cars. And so it didn't change the traffic. It just changed things for, you know, those of us with one vehicle. And if your car is bulletproof or the new electric hybrid vehicles, those can drive either day. Bulletproof. That's yes. something I hadn't heard. Okay. So Toyota has a Toyota has a special division here for the bulletproof vehicles. And so a lot of the Toyota Land Cruisers and things are are armored, light armored. And so that's still part of the, the culture the culture here. Wow, that's really uh, I would say we feel safer here than we did in Mexico. And and it's not an unsafe city, it's, it, but it is still have that that stigma. So you talked about just, you know, the kind of the effect of the eighties and nineties on street life and on people, has that had an effect on the church? And yes, it how has. has the church kind of fought through that or has it fought through that? Well, I, I don't know that they've effectively fought through that, but it has limited their ability to, to get out and be engaged in the community and be focused on the community. And because of that, I think a lot of our legacy churches are plateaued and, and in decline uh, because they have failed to find a way in which to, to reach people today. One other thing we didn't mention about Bogota is because we're so close to the equator, it gets dark here every day at six, which because of the darkness, people really don't want to be out at night. People here, as opposed to other Latin cities that were Argentina dinners, not till 10 o'clock at night or Mexico City, it's at 9 p.m. Here in Bogota, most people um, are inside their homes by dark. So that leads to a question then, you know, I asked you about (laughs) Latin American cities more broadly. Is that an unfair question? It is an unfair question because a lot of times people want to lump our cities together. We're working on digital engagement strategy right now. And those who are working with us tried to have just one Latin America strategy. And we quickly realized that for Bogota and Buenos Aires and Santiago, Chile, um, it would have to be three. So it'd be much like going from the Northeast to the Deep South to the West. And the diversity you see in the U.S. cities would be equal across South America. Okay. So then um, as you're thinking about, you know, engaging cities across Latin America, um, do you find any common threads? There is many common threads in that the traditional religion is obviously Catholicism. Um, yeah. And so you'll see a lot of commonality there. I won't say that across the continent that the churches have worked well together. There is a kind of a union of Baptist churches across Latin America, and they do get together, but I won't say they've collaborated well uh, over the years. Uh, They tend to kind of do their own thing country by country. And so even within many of the cities, there's not been a a great deal of collaboration and working together, which is one thing that we've been trying to work with local leaders to try to, you know, at least get them to pray together for the city, to look at the city and look for ways in which they can collaborate and work together more and more. And so that's been a difficult challenge, but still working to cast a common vision for the city and help bring, you know, people in the city, churches and pastors and local leaders together uh, for the sake of the gospel. I'd say one of the 
largest differences that people might not realize is that in Mexico, for example, there's a lot of idolatry. You can stop at a gas station to use the restroom and there's going to be a place where you can stop and pray filled with idols versus when you come down into South America, you can go for days and never see an idol unless you're near um, a church location or a cemetery, something like that. Um, So it is quite different and even down to postmodernism more in the Southern cone of Argentina and Chile. Yeah. Okay. So why do you think uh, Argentina, Chile have some different dynamics going on? there? I would say education has been stronger in those two countries. Uh, Those are countries that value the arts, value reading, um, value education, maybe a little bit higher. And so tend to have more of almost a European um, feel and influence more so than the northern part of South America, which is an interesting dynamic. But um, you look at Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, you see a distinctly uh, different uh, value. Yeah, and so it affects the worldview. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, I appreciate these insights into Latin America. And one of the reasons I actually wanted you on this show today is to talk about the World Urban Forum, which is a UN Habitat-sponsored event. It happens every two years somewhere in the world, a different city and different places in the world. And it gathers together thousands of mayors and engineers and uh, NGO workers and people that care about cities in one way or another, but from really diverse backgrounds from all over the world. And so Mike and Jennifer, we've had the privilege of going to a couple of these Uh, events together. And so I wanted to hear your thoughts on the event, describe your experience at the last two of them, and walk us through how that's affected you guys as you look at cities. Well, first of all, the first one we attended was in Abu Dhabi, and that was our first time to the Middle East. So just the culture, and that's something that we've learned by attending the second one in Poland, is that the location of the Wolf event kind of impacts what it looks like. And and I just noticed, Michael, yesterday on social media, we know that it'll be in Cairo, Egypt next in 2024. But I noticed yesterday that they're seeking the 2026 city even right now. So it's just exciting to go and experience so many nations in one place. I think that was one of the most impacting things for me was to just sit down and realize I'm surrounded by people from so many nations. And that just gives us the opportunity to hear how people think critically when truth is not what guides them. I love going to the training sessions that they have where we sit down in a group with people that my shoulders would never rub with in my normal day-to-day life here in Bogota. And we get to learn about new apps and new ways to do things and new ways to look at our city. And we do that and just learn so much about the cultures around us and learn how to think like the people that don't think like we do. And I think that's especially helpful as we begin to look at our cities and realize that not everyone thinks like we do in the religious sector, which is actually a very small part of the sphere of the city. Yeah, I think one of the opening statements this year at uh, Wolf 11 Poland, uh, one of the main speakers said, does your heart beat like the beat of your city? 
I think the one thing about the roller room forum is that everybody there has an interest in making cities a better place to live. And so when they look at the city through the eyes of the UN habitat, uh, they've got, I guess, 17, what they call SDGs or sustainable development goals. And so they're looking at how do we improve housing, mobility, you know, transportation systems, education, the healthcare in a city. Uh, they're looking at, you know, climate control, pollution, um, you know, how do we provide safe places, public green spaces for parks, recreation, and things like that. All those factors that come into a city. You know, we look at cities, the world is becoming more urban and will continue to be that way into the future. And so in the city, you see the very best that society has to offer, and you see some of the very darkest things that society has to offer. But the one thing at the World Urban Forum is that everybody's there trying to improve what they see or what they deem is the most important aspect or component of that city. And so there is somewhat of a holistic approach, you know, through the whole event, you'll see a holistic look at the cities because you have urban planners, you have NGOs, you have government officials, mayors. Um, and like Jennifer said, it's people that normally we don't have the opportunity to sit down and have a dialogue with. And so, you know, just says sometimes in the church or in missions, we have our own vocabulary, our own way of saying things or doing things. Uh, when you get to sit with people in the government sector or urban planners, they have a certain vocabulary that they use in the way that they talk. And so it helps us to, to be able to have an open dialogue with them, to be able to ask questions. And so many times when they're looking at making the city better, one component they're not looking at is what is faith-based uh, organizations bring to the table? What do we offer that that can help make the city a better place? And so by having a presence at the World Urban Forum, we get to sit down at those tables with these folks and, and ask, where does faith play a part in what you're trying to do to make communities a better place? So there's a few things to pull out from what y'all have said there. One is everyone is looking at their city with something in mind, both in what the reality is and what their dream or vision is for the city. And so, Jennifer, you you hinted at this with just everyone having some different maybe agendas for the city. Um, what were some things that you guys picked up regarding what uh, what people want to see happen in their cities? I think the biggest thing for me, just um, especially when we we're in Abu Dhabi, I attended a lot of sessions um, about women, um, for women, and just looking at that. One of the biggest topics of discussion regarding women is just safe places. We don't think about oftentimes, um, sometimes people can't afford public transportation or public transportation, especially does not get to where refugees in a city are, usually because they're on the fringe of the city. And so the bus stops don't usually go as far as their house. And so they go to the last bus stop possible, and then they have to walk home through some dark areas. And so one of the things that I even learned in a session was just for women to begin to map out what it looks like for them to walk home from that last bus stop and to realize, hey, these are the tough spaces that I'm going to have to walk through and, and just begin to look at that and find solutions. And that's what I love is that all the sessions are looking for good possible solutions for people to live better in their cities. And we know that's, we have the best thing to offer them. We know that, but it's awesome to see people who love and care about their cities so passionately. And those are things we can readily resonate with, right? I mean, we, we do yeah. want safe cities and we do for want sure. children to have safe access to education and, 
and women and refugees and I mean, just everyone in the city to have safe transportation. Were there some things that you guys heard that maybe uh, those are tension points with what your vision for a city might be and what someone else's vision for a city might be? I think actually the opposite for us. We had the really special honor of having our city mayor speak several times throughout the week at the Wolf this year in Poland. And so I'll let Mike talk about what some of the thoughts she brought. Yeah, some of the things that she talked about was, you know, you you transform cities with a neighborhood approach, which would, would be what we would hold to as well. And so looking at the city, you know, comprehensively breaking down silos in your master planning between different sectors and things like that. And so it was interesting to hear her talk about that. But really what she talked about was having, you know, a caring city, breaking it down, even down to a smaller the neighborhood approach to where you have neighborhoods that care is what, what is titled or, or, or barrios vitales in Bogota. And so it's, it's breaking down the city into that 15 minute concept, which is kind of a new theme you're hearing and seeing. So everybody within 15 minutes of, a tr- of transportation, uh, whether it be walking or public transportation has access to everything they need within that certain small neighborhood approach to a, to a city. And so her goal is to see 20 of these uh, neighborhoods across the city. Right now there's probably three in development, but just hearing her talk about how do you provide things for single moms, for for people who provide care for the rest of people in the city, you know, especially coming out of COVID where the city was locked down and there were just a few people that really had the ability to move through the city and provide care for everybody else in the city. It really took us toll on people in our cities. And so being locked down for, for months at a time or almost, you know, a year and a half in your in your apartment, it really took us toll emotionally, mentally, um, physically on different people. And so what she's looking at is how to provide care for that. Now, she would not necessarily factor in where faith has to play in that or what we bring to the table, but to hear her really you know, unpack that and present that at a, at a global world forum, uh, really expanded on that and, and gives us the opportunity now to go, you know, I don't pretend to think that I'm going to get an appointment to go sit in her office and, and suggest how she should do her job or her invite me in. But we do know the areas where they're working. And so we can sit down with those actors in those arenas that are providing some of that care. And we bring value added uh, resources that we can help them in, in their plan for a small neighborhood that transforms people, but we can provide a component such as trauma healing or through New Hope that can provide help for people who have been through and suffering through those things uh, to provide care for them. And so that's where areas that in the future days we're looking forward to sitting down with some of those leaders in those local areas across the city to see if we can gain access as faith-based community in some of these areas in the city where we can provide a value-added service, but also provide spiritual transformation to go along with the city transformation that that they would hope to see from their agenda. There's a little bit of a paradigm shift, right? Because you're describing, you know, I don't know, church life has been sort of business as usual kind of church life. And what you are now bringing into the picture is Actually, the church has a lot to offer, and as such, it can engage with this broader community and no longer just be this religious event that goes on on Sundays, but something that's integrated with the community. I think, too, the other thing we need to not lose sight of is it it takes a long time to change direction in the city and to transform a city. You know, many of our cities we've seen just, you know, the deterioration of certain neighborhoods, whether they become, you know, almost... Gone from slums to a nicer neighborhood and now 
have, have gone full cycle back into into disrepair and things like that. They want to see the transformation. And so we want to see that. And so one of the themes that we heard in, in, in Poland was, you know, not our what only best practices, but what are next practices? What needs to happen next to change the city, to transform the city? Because next practices, they have to be focused on, on people. It's people-centric. And when we forget that, when it becomes only policies and government and in and, and, and one sector pitting against the other sector, nothing happens. It has to be for the good of the people. And that's where the church has to step back outside the four walls of the church to be engaged in the city spaces, in the public spaces. We can't retreat to the four walls where we've been for many years. And so that's that, that innovative thinking that we need for what are the next best practices that the church needs to do. And so one of our teams uh, in Latin America has been looking at people with disabilities. How do we help provide a service to moms that have children with, with disabilities? And so they just recently had a volunteer team of students and they did art therapy with some of these children with disabilities. And, you know, the parents were just overjoyed to see that their children were having expressions through art with U.S. volunteers uh, coming down to not only really share the love of Christ in a practical way, but really, you know, be that difference maker in a community to bring value added resources to the community. And that's just opening a lot of doors in that community because of the way the church has been out providing help in a really practical way. And that's what we need to see more and more of the church to be relevant in our time. Michael, I think you were in the session with us, but um, Lego sponsors a session. Of course, name recognition draws a big crowd, but we were excited that as we did a written activity with a partner in there that someone from the company was chosen to read what they had written. And there was the ability to speak of their faith in that arena. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, Mike, you mentioned earlier and, you know, the, when the UN developed the sustainable development goals, the SDGs, and then the specifically these, these markers for cities that they really want to see happen. It was striking. There was no, reference to faith at all in any of that. It was purely secular in, in sort of the strictest sense of the word. And the reality is 80, 90% of the world has some kind of faith allegiance and it's important to their life. And, you know, that's true in cities as well as rural places. And to develop all of your goals without any reference to faith whatsoever or acknowledgement that faith communities and faith leaders play a role in that was just a really big missing component. And I think that's something that this kind of ragtag group that we have been with has helped put in front of the planners of WOOF, of World Urban Forum, and they've actually started to recognize this missing component and so I think that's exciting to have a voice and be able to to square up on that. I just remember two World Urban Forums ago asking someone who was already a committed Christian, but has been an urban planner and asking, you know, how does your faith play into this? And it just had never occurred to them to, to ask that question. And I think that's a, a tragedy that is of our own making. I think in the church, we've not discipled people to think through how does your faith speak into what you do as a vocation 
I would like to pause you right there, Michael, for a second and just follow up on that. That was one of the things that we noted, even from our, our first urban forum two years ago in Abu Dhabi to this year, was to see even that small advance to having just one little space for faith-based and really not announced to this year at, in Poland to have actually a few spaces where actually faith-based speakers were allowed to speak and ask questions in public forums. But to see the, the general secretary um, actually record a video that says we as UN Habitat have been remiss in taking this component into, into consideration, being the fact that, like you said, was she say 84%, I think, of people have some faith. And that needs to be part of looking at a city holistically is how do we include that component. So even for that acknowledgement to happen this year and to see that happen, we've recently been in a meeting with some other uh, missions organizations and just looking at the very opportunity to take people in the business sector and health sector, but really to, to live out their faith in the workplace. It's one of those places we as a church probably have not challenged our members to take their faith in the workplace. And even in this meeting, we were able to meet um, a woman from Cairo and uh, we're sharing with them about World Urban Forum and what it is. And we said, it's coming to your city in two years. And so wouldn't it be great if uh, we had even a larger voice, including your presence in your city when we come uh, to the next World Urban Forum. And so there was a lot of energy and excitement in the room to think about what that could look like and uh, having maybe a little bit larger platform or larger footprint at the next World Urban Forum where faith has a more important role to play in these 17 STGs that they've established and maybe even include an extra one that would yeah. be faith-based. I don't know. Um, but me walking by faith, look forward to seeing yeah, what God's cool. going to do in that arena. So just for, for listeners, you, during the World Urban Forum, at any given point, I'm guessing there are 30, 40, 50 events going on simultaneously, um, different seminars or workshops or um, you know, book launches, all kinds of, there's a short film cinema screening that's always going on. Um, what was a session or two that stood out to you as, as interesting or maybe brought some application for you, for each of you? I think for me, the, the placemakers, the, the fact that they had taken different opportunities to engage in cities during COVID with technology and things like that. And so, you know, one of the examples was, was close to home for us is it was a, a market in Mexico City where that had basically closed because of COVID. But they went in and helped them develop opportunities, leveraging technology to create kind of a home-based delivery system app where people could continue to order their food through that app. They could continue to provide the services and the resources and the, the things they had in their market. And these small businesses uh, stayed open during COVID when many others um, did not. And so just seeing some of those small stories like that uh, really make an impact in our cities uh, was one that was really um, very impacting for me. For me, um, it's, it's the sessions that just challenge us to look at our city in a new way. Um, we know that cities are full of opportunities and challenges, and um, we want to be the solution providers. And so some of the questions that I liked were, what would be the best way to intersect with people in a certain segment? Or how can we be part of public spaces in creative and new ways? Like, how can we go in? There's a lot of public space in a city, and that's open to all of us. A new word I learned this year was called collaboronomics. And so um, many people within our company have backgrounds in public service, business, education, manufacturing, tourism, transportation, so many sectors. And we need all of those eyes looking 
at our cities. And also as U.S. volunteers come down, we need to use their fresh set of eyes to look at our city because we do want to be relevant, as Micah said, and we want to serve every segment of the city. Um, We can't do all of those at once, but we pray for wisdom to know, are we truly giving of ourselves without expecting anything from that segment in return? That's what people need to know is that we care first. We see that expressed throughout Jesus's miracles over and over, obviously, that he cared about people first and foremost. And so we want to make sure that people know we really care about them because a lot of people at Wolf, that's that's what they're trying to do. They just are lacking the faith element. I would say one other thing, one other session that I was in, um, was talking about developing you know, small scale local initiatives and things like that. And, and they were talking about so many times, whether it's you know faith-based or missions we, we go in and we look at, at a neighborhood or we look at a segment of the city and we say, yes, this is our strategy. This is what needs to happen. This is what these people need. And we have a plan and we bring resources to the table to really try to to enable our plan to move forward. And we never stop to do the research that we really know that we need to do. And we fail to ask the question of the people, what is it you need? How can we help you? And so we try to answer questions that they're not asking and we try to provide services that they don't desire, they don't want, they don't need, or they don't know how to use. And so it happens not only within what we try to do sometimes in missions, but it was also, they're learning this in the public sector as well, that in order to provide help for a community, you need to go in and do good research. And that means surveying the people and asking them, what is it you need and how can we help address those needs? And then we can sit down at the table together and work out solutions. We need to sit down and really ask a lot of good questions and do some research before we try to develop a strategy to impact that segment with the gospel in a relevant way, a sustainable way. I think we can't be reminded enough to to listen first and then respond, you know, and we, we uh, kind of come in just thinking we've got everything, all the answers ready to go. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, it, it, what, what else would you say to those that have never been to anything like this, um, who may be skeptical and saying, ah, this sounds like a waste of time and money. How is this really going to affect my ministry? I'm just trying to keep my, you know, hand to the plow kind of thing. What would you say to them? Well, um, we all love things in life that are free, don't we, Michael? And so I think it's awesome that um, you can be in a place with so many nations and it's actually free. There's no cost to go to Wolf other than obviously your cost to attend. And as much as we struggle to gain access to people, Wolf is a forum where we can interact with others in a non-threatening way and we're easily included. So I think we're missing an opportunity by not being there. I think we have to go in with an open mind and be in a position of a learner. Uh, we want to be at that table. We want to have a voice. We want to have influence, but we have to know what questions to ask. We also have to know what, what is the dialogue? What are, what are the goals and desires, the city planners and things like that, that we can really kind of dovetail into and be part of rather than going against that if we really want to be relevant in our city. And so if we go in with an open mind and the opportunity to learn from others, to hear what they're thinking, what they're trying it helps us be able to contextualize our strategies and how we're going to apply mission strategies to be more effective. Because so many times we can keep our hand in the plow, keep our head down so much that we have a laser focus on the, the two steps in front of us, 
But when we look at the, the long range goal of transforming a city and looking at the city comprehensively, that means we got to look up every once in a while, look around, see who's around us, say hi and ask questions and be part of the discussion rather than just keeping our head down in the plow and, and, and not pay attention to what's going on around us. And so uh, Wolf's Eye Opening, you'll, you'll be around a lot of people with a lot of uh, very interesting ideas. It's good, interesting dialogue. And um, one thing about the UN is it's kind of all inclusive. And so everybody gets to have a voice and, and it can be a uh, you can mix it up or you can can just sit back and listen, but it's a, it's a good opportunity to throw out good questions, have good dialogue and uh, walk away basically um, with some fresh ideas, some new ways of looking at your city in ways in which we can be more effective in what we do, which is the most important uh, task on the earth. That's a great spot to conclude on. Thank you so much, Mike and Jennifer, for for sharing your experience with us and for just helping us understand that bigger conversation going on globally about cities and then how we think about it as people of faith who care deeply about our cities and care deeply about making Christ known in our cities. Thanks again to Mike and Jennifer Brungart for being our guests on this episode. If you have questions or input for this podcast, you can write us at missioncity at radiusglobal.org. Mission City is hosted by me, Michael Crane, and produced by Radius Global Cities Network and Scott Slusher. Today's episode was written by me and Scott Slusher. Thanks for listening. We would absolutely love it if you'll share this with friends and take a moment to leave us a review on whatever you use to listen to podcasts. It can help Mission City be heard by others. Until next time, love your cities well.